Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. Happy Sunday, Watermark Church. Good to see you guys this morning. Thanks for joining us online, especially if you're here for the first time. We just want to welcome you. We're excited for this new series we're starting today, Faith in Politics. And I hope you're having a a good summer, maybe getting some rest in as it's kind of a crazy season out there with everything going on with the COVID world. And just uh, now's a a good time to take vacation. It's nice and warm out there, right? Our, our, our climate is hot and warm. It's in the 80s in Southern California here. And you know what? It's also heating up in our culture. It's heating up because we are in a political season. We're coming up on an election and things are heating up. I mean, if you go online, the posts are popping, right? The mud is starting to sling. The fake news is all over the place. And everything that happens in our culture, whether it's COVID, whether it's a racial issue, whatever it is, is being hotly politicized. And it's sizzling in our souls. And how do we maintain sanity during this political season? How do we keep our eyes focused on what's right How do we continue to love our neighbor (laughs) as we love ourselves, especially if our neighbor is a different political persuasion than us? What if you have Republicans and Democrats under the same roof in your family? How do we keep political peace in this hotly debated season? How do we have a posture of humility and love? That's what we're focusing on in this series, Faith in Politics. And it's our prayer that in this season, actually, Jesus will become more beautiful. I mean, politics can be ugly, but we want Jesus to be more beautiful in his church, in his people. We want to see the church with God conversations and to bring the authentic love of Christ right into the political process. That's why we're doing this series, that we will have peace in our souls and more love and respect in our world. And how do we do that when we bring together the hotly, most hotly debated subjects in our culture, faith and politics. How do we do that? Here's lesson one. We need to learn as Christ followers to be political without being partisan. Let me say that again. We need to learn as Christ followers to be political without being partisan. That's the biblical call. For us to follow Jesus and flourish during this hotly debated election season. What does that look like? To be political without being partisan? First of all, it means I need to recognize that Jesus is political. That the name of Jesus is a political statement in our world. As a matter of fact, the gospel that we preach is incredibly political. Uh, What does that mean, Bucky? Do you mean Jesus is a Republican? Or do you mean Jesus is a Democrat, right? If Jesus is political, is he Republican or a Democrat? Well, guess what? Ben Appleby, my co-pastor, he's going to answer that one next week. (laughs) But what it means is that Jesus is not Democrat or Republican. Jesus is Lord. That's the greatest political statement you could make in your life. Jesus is Lord of all. And you know when the gospel was preached in the first century world, 
and people said Jesus is Lord, it meant that Caesar was not. It was a tremendously powerful political statement. Here's the Apostle Paul writing to the Roman church in the center of government, the center of the world in Rome, where Caesar's palace was. And this is what Paul says. The message concerning our faith that we proclaim is this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is a powerful political gospel-centered statement. Jesus is Lord of all. And what did that mean? It meant the gospel had incredible political implications for every area of life. It meant that a new kingdom had come, right? If Jesus is Lord and he said, my kingdom has come, the kingdom of God is now. That's what he was saying. That's what he was proclaiming. It meant that a new political entity was available right here, right now, the kingdom of God. And it meant that a new king was on the throne. Jesus, because of his death and his resurrection, right? God raised him from the dead. It proves that he is Lord of all. So we have a new kingdom. We have a new king. Jesus is Lord. And we also have a new political body. Through the gift of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, a new political body was formed. That's called the church. You see, politics in its original form, comes from the word polis. It's a Greek word that describes a city-state. It means to organize yourselves and to structure yourselves such a way as a group of people so that you will promote human flourishing in the world. And so the church is a political body. It is a polis under King Jesus, the risen King and Lord, organizing itself, aligning itself with the kingdom of God, to do God's will. That's the political platform, the will of God in the world today. Through justice, through mercy, through righteousness, through peacegiving, we are a political body, and we do Jesus' will, and we make him look good in the world today. That's what it means to be political without being partisan. See, the lordship of Jesus doesn't just cover one area of our lives. And Jesus is not just Lord in the church building when we gather on Sunday. And Jesus is just not Lord when we go into our prayer closet and pray, right? That's what many people say. Hey, you know, let politics be politics. Jesus, you, you, you know, he's a personal savior and it's for your personal quiet time. But no, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus is Lord of all. So Jesus is Lord of our business. He's the Lord of our economics. He's Lord of our social systems. He's Lord of our government. He's Lord of our political process. That Jesus is Lord has great political implications because he's Lord for every area of our lives. Following Jesus means there's no other allegiance claiming priority in our lives. There's no other political party that has priority over our allegiance to Jesus. There's no other platform that has priority over our allegiance to Jesus. There's no other personality that has priority over our allegiance to Jesus. We are to obey the government, yes. But when the government asks us to deny our allegiance to Jesus, just like it did to the early church many times, we are to push back and say we need to obey God, King Jesus, rather than men. And so there's no other allegiance that takes precedent over our allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom. 
that we are proclaiming and living out as a kingdom community, a counterpolis, a political body that presents an alternative way of life, an alternative kingdom in the world. And by living out His love and His grace, by taking up a cross and dying to ourselves, we present that good news and we offer that new reality of the kingdom of God, an entrance through the body and blood of King Jesus to the world that we serve and love. That's what it means to be political without being partisan. Because we know that our, our king has been exalted over all of our kings and kingdoms, all of our other political realities under heaven and earth, as it says in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 9 and 11. God exalted him after his death, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That of the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. During this politically divisive and diverse season, how do we stay political without being partisan? By recognizing every day in our lives and living Jesus as Lord. This means our allegiance to him is, is more important than any other allegiance. And we are a part of his family. He created a new polis, a new body, a new family that are filled full of Christ-loving Democrats and Christ-loving Republicans. The body of Christ, the polis of Jesus, is filled full of Christ-loving Democrats and Christ-loving Republicans. And so we are to honor each other other in this political process. We are not to make our party affiliation more important than our affiliation to King Jesus and the family and the brotherhood that we have in the church. It hurts my soul so much to hear a Christ-loving Democrat say to me, I can't believe a Christian could vote Republican. It hurts my soul to see a Christ-loving Republican say, I can't believe a Christian could vote Democrat. You see, when we make those statements and we believe those things, it shows that we've been way more discipled by our political parties than we have by the church and our our leader, King Jesus. Because God calls us as a family. And so we are to come together and we realize that we have a greater identity in Christ as the family of God with our brothers and sisters. They're way more important to us than any political affiliation that could divide us and cause us to doubt the faith and the salvation of our brothers and sisters in the Lord. That so hurts my soul, and it so brings disunity to the church. You see, during this political season, we need to be respectful and honorable. Do we want to ask questions? Do we want to have dialogue and debate with people that have different political positions than us? Yes, but it's all under the fact that you're my brother and sister and we're going to be in eternity together and we have the same king and we live in the same kingdom and we declare the same Lord and that brings us together in love and unity no matter what our vote, no matter what the outcomes of the election. You see, how do we stay political without being partisan? We realize that we are all under the same Lord. We're we're one family and one body And we need to love each other because of that and serve each other. That's what it means to be political without being partisan, to proclaim and to live that Jesus is Lord. What's the second thing? We need to remember that Jesus is also pro-government. He's not only Lord of all, right? He's also pro-government. 
You see, whoever wins the election, whether it's the Democrats, the Republicans, or the Independents, and whatever way they influence the new government, we do realize that God has established government, and we are here to honor the government and the authorities over us. You see, the Bible tells us that God has established three institutions that are here to promote, to promote human flourishing in the world. One is the church, we just talked about that, the body politic of Jesus, the polis under the kingdom of God, the lordship of Jesus. The second thing is the family, right? God has given us the family to promote human flourishing from generations, from fathers and to their sons, from mothers to their daughters. That's the family system. And finally, Jesus says, God has given us the government. He established that. And our submission to the government is part of our worship to Jesus, the King. Our submission to government is part of worship to Jesus and part of our witness in the world. Interesting. You see, the early church said, Jesus is Lord, but it also said, honor the emperor. The early church said, Jesus is Lord, but it also said, honor the emperor, because the church recognized that the government under their, that, that was over them was instituted and given authority by God. Listen to what Peter says as he writes to an early church of Christ's followers who are underneath the Roman government. And this church is saying, Jesus is Lord. You know, uh, the emperor is not Lord but I'm here to serve and honor the emperor, right? And that's what Peter is writing to the church because the pagan world, the unbelieving world is looking at the church that's saying Jesus is Lord and saying, you, you guys are bad because that means you're rebelling against government. And that wasn't true. And here's what Peter says. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, right, they may see your good needs, They may see your submission to authority and your service to the culture. They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. What does it mean to say Jesus is Lord? It means to submit to the human authorities. He's put the structures he's put in place and delegated authority to. Submit yourselves to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Why does God delegate authority to government? Why do we have government? God delegates authority to government because government is here to honor those who do right and to punish those who do wrong. And that structure, that organization is here to promote human flourishing by giving law and order. And we are to submit to that. For it is God's will that by doing good you will silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, right? Live as God's slaves. We're free. We live in an amazing culture where we have a democratic government and we have many rights as citizens, but those rights don't give us the right to violate God, and we are to use our rights in order to serve others. We're slaves of God, right? Our new Lord and King Jesus. We're slaves to his love and to serve others. So live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. That's Peter writing to a church that many times was persecuted by the culture around him. And the government at times was oppressive. He's saying, honor the emperor and serve 
right? That's amazing. That's just amazing. That's a part of your witness. God has established government in the world. He's delegated authority, and the right to rule comes from God. To resist the law of government is to resist the God who established the government, even though we may not respect the man in the office. I can't vote for Donald Trump. I don't respect him. I can't vote for Joe Biden. I don't respect him. Whoever gets elected, right, we respect the position and the authority because that's a God-given authority that God delegates to government. He calls us to honor and submit to government and to respect that. And so we're here to respect our opponents, to respect people. We're supposed to love the body of Christ, as Peter said, even though we might have different political opinions. We're to fear God more than men, but in the fear of God, we're to honor the emperor because he has been given authority to govern us by God. And so that is the way that we remain political without becoming partisan by honoring and submitting to the government authorities that are over us. That's a hard one for me to swallow right? It may be hard for you to swallow if you're a Democrat and the Republicans above you. It may be hard for you to, follow, to swallow if you're a Republican. There's a Democrat over and you're struggling with that, right? I'm a, a small businessman. I'm not only a pastor. I'm a small businessman and we have a family business and it's the restaurant industry. And because of the COVID crisis, our business has been shut down by orders of the government, The government has said, you need to shut down in-house dining. And because of that shutdown, my business is hurting. My family business is losing money. And we're looking at potential bankruptcy in the future. Well, that's a hard pill to swallow, right? There are certain people that say, hey, we shouldn't shut down businesses. There's other people who say, say on the other side of the political scale, yeah, we need to shut down businesses. This is huge wrangling. What am I supposed to do in the middle of this? Am I supposed to become partisan? Or am I supposed to become political by saying, no, Jesus is Lord, and he's called me to submit to government, even though I may disagree with the governor's decision, right? Even though it's going to cost me money, and it could even cost the business, I have to submit to that because that's part of my worship of the Lord. It's part of my witness in the world that people watch me in humility and submission follow those rules. Do I have a pushback? Yeah, I can push back because I have the right in our government to push back through a legal process. I can vote. I can be a political person. I can encourage another person that would win in government and change things in order to create more favor. All those are a part of the political process, but I'm not allowed to do violence. I'm not allowed to try to overcome evil with evil. I'm supposed to overcome evil if there is any evil with good. So we have to remember that submitting to government is about worshiping God. It's about a witness to the world. And that's what the Bible tells us. That's how you become political without being partisan. Finally, the last thing that we need to do is not just realize that Jesus is political because he's Lord of all, not just be pro-government. We also need to reflect Christ in the political process. And let me tell you, that's not easy, right? Because, man, we love debate. And man, if you go on social media, you see all the expletives and people are flinging mud and people are degradating each other. It's just a brutal thing. And that also happens in houses and all kinds of things. And this is the season to really go at it. But how do we make Jesus beautiful? How do we, how do we be the church of salt and light, regardless of our political, uh, our, our platform, or the way that we look at uh, our party, whether Republican or Democrat? How can we make Jesus beautiful by reflecting Christ, reflecting his glory and his goodness in the political process? Having political opinions is a good thing. 
We're supposed to do that. Being prayerful, being wise, looking at it through a biblical lens. Having debate is a good thing. As long as we do it with respect, honor, and love, that's a good thing. Voting is a good thing. As a matter of fact, that's a part of our image-bearing assignment in the democracy that we live in. We have been asked to vote and be a part of the political process. That's a part of honoring God and bearing the image of Christ. But it's the way that we do it. That is the most important thing. Whether we're a Democratic Christian, Republican Christian, Independent Christian, it's the way that we do it that honors God and brings beauty to Jesus and His kingdom movement. How do we do that? Let me give you three steps as we wind this thing down and just open this thing up. This is what I'm going to challenge you with during this political season. The way that we honor Christ in the process is, first of all, by being prayerful. Being prayerful. Realizing that God is over all this, he is sovereign, and our prayers make a difference for our land. Look at what Paul says when he writes to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, I urge then that, first of all, petitions and prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. Underline that word, all. (laughs) That means, no, I don't just pray for Donald Trump. I don't just pray for all the Republicans in government. I pray for the Democrats too. I pray for Joe Biden. I even pray for Kane West. I pray for anybody in the political process because God has called me to do that. I want to challenge you. If you're a Democrat, will you pray for Donald Trump as much as you pray for Joe Biden? If you're a Republican, would you pray during this season uh, as much for Joe Biden as you do for Donald Trump? Because we're called to pray for all people and especially for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. We want to have a peaceful process here. We want to see godliness and holiness in the political process. That makes Jesus beautiful. If the church is unified, if the church is loving, regardless of the outcome, God is glorified, and it's a platform to preach the gospel. Because it says, this pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved. Regardless of who wins the election, God wants all people to be saved and know that Jesus is Lord of all. And that, will you be prayerful with me during this political season? Would you pray for both candidates? Would you pray for a peaceful, God-honoring process? Would you pray that Jesus would be made beautiful in our land? The second thing is we need to be humble. We need to recognize that the kingdom of God is way bigger than a political party. It's way bigger than a government, whether it's the American government or the Chinese government or the South Korean government. It's way bigger than one government on this planet. It's way bigger than one political party or affiliation. It's way bigger because it's God's kingdom. Therefore, we need to realize that all the political parties and platforms fall short of ultimately glorifying God in every way. And so if you're a Republican, would you be humble enough to admit, hey, you know what, there's some problems in our party. There's some problems with our platforms and the things that we do. We need to look at ourselves, rather than pointing the finger at everybody else, we need to look at ourselves and humble ourselves. What could we learn as Christ-following Republicans from the Democrats? Maybe some stuff about mercy and justice. Maybe some stuff about how we help the poor. Maybe some stuff about how we help the immigrants. Maybe we need to learn a little bit from the Democrats. What about if you're a Democrat? should be willing to acknowledge that, you know, there's some problems with our party. There's things that we need to shore up better biblically, and we could, we could do this better. I and mean, there's some things we could learn from the Republicans about righteousness and justice. 
you know, about things, things that, 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 that they're holding up in the right way. Would you be humble enough to say, you know, my party's not perfect. I need to humble myself. I need to learn from my brothers. Would you be willing maybe even to take somebody out to lunch? If you're a God-loving, Jesus-loving Republican, what about taking a Democrat to lunch that loves Jesus and learning from them and just asking them questions? What about the opposite way? If you're, if you're a Jesus-loving Democrat, would you be willing to take out a, over a Jesus-loving Republican and have a conversation and see where you can pray together and be unified? That would be an amazing countercultural salt and light thing for the world to see. We need to be humble. And the third thing is we need to be sincere. We need to be authentically Christ-like. Allegiance to Jesus means that we do Jesus' work Jesus' way. And you know, when you look at the political process, when you see the fake news that people throw out there, when you see the, the hatred and the words that people use to talk about people of another party, the hatred, the name-calling, the demonizing of other people, this is not the way of Jesus. And this hurts the witness of Jesus in the world. When Christians do this on the internet or in the church or in the public arena, when they use the world's ways to do politics, they hurt the mission and message of Jesus. You see, our allegiance to Jesus means there's no other allegiance that takes precedence. And when, when our allegiance to the Democratic Party and our allegiance to the Republican Party uh, causes us to deny our witness and love for Jesus, we don't make the name of Jesus very beautiful in the world. And so we need to repent of the world's ways. And we need to think of Jesus' ways. How, how is Jesus political? He said you're supposed to love your neighbors, right? You're supposed to actually pray for your enemies. That's the Jesus way to be a political process. You're supposed to promote justice, peace, and righteousness. And you're supposed to take up your cross and give yourselves away with sacrificial love. Is that the way you do politics? That's not the way the world does politics. That's the way that Christ followers are supposed to do politics. And we need to repent and be authentically sincere. I think if we did that, if we remained prayerful and humble, I think if we learned about the, the, the weaknesses and strength of our party and loved those on the other side of the fence, I think if we did this political process in Jesus' way, I think the world would see that the politics of Jesus are the most beautiful way to go. And that's what we're praying for. That's what we're praying for. I love what John Wesley said. John Wesley was a revivalist, and he, he was talking about some people just before an election season. Here's what he said. I met some of those in our society who had votes in the ensuing election. They were going to be able to vote. And so John Wesley met with them and talked to them about the way to go through this. And he said, first of all, you need to vote. Vote without fee or reward for the person you judge most worthy. Vote. Vote for the person, whether it's Trump or Biden, Kane West, anybody, whoever you want to. Vote for the person you prayerfully think is most worthy. The second thing he said, speak no evil of the person that you voted against. Don't speak evil against Biden. Don't speak evil against Trump. Don't speak evil against a political candidate if you're a Christ follower. That's not, that's not what you're supposed to be doing out there. And the third thing is take care of your spirit. Take care of your soul that it isn't sharpened against those who voted on the other side. Guard your soul that you don't become angry and bitter against a Democrat if you're a Republican, a Republican if you're a Democrat Christ follower. Guard your soul that you love them and you serve them as a brother in Christ. Man, that is great advice for all of us during this political season. I have a neighbor that I've just got to know. And he lives down the street, and I just got to know him. He's a, he's a neighbor, and because of the COVID, because of the shutdown, 
I've talked about this before. We're more out in the streets, we're more talking around, and I've had conversations with him, and I'm, I've got to know him. He's a great guy. He loves basketball. He, he loves business. He loves a lot of the stuff that I love. He loves to have good food. Uh, but the one thing that he, he's different than me is that he's a Democrat, and I'm, I'm, I'm more Republican, small business. I was a grown Republican, and he knows I'm a pastor, and when he found out I was a pastor, he was walking by me, and he just made a beeline to me on the street one morning after my mountain bike ride, and he said, I heard, I heard you're a Republican. I said, yeah. He goes, I can't believe you're a Christian Republican. You voted for Donald Trump. I can't believe you did that. And he just totally dressed me down. He ripped you know, his opinions out towards Donald Trump and the Republican Party. And I was just taken back, man, because he was strong and hard. And the only thing I could say is, I can't believe you're going to vote for Joe Biden. And I said, here's the reasons why I wouldn't vote for Joe Biden. And we went back and forth, and, and it got a little heated there for a second. But then as I, as I took a step back and I said, what, what's going on here? What's going on here? I eventually said, you know, um, I'm not really concerned about Trump or Biden. They're flawed people and you're, you're going to vote with your wisdom. I'm going to vote with mine. But you know what? I'm, I'm really more concerned about Jesus. I'm really more concerned about following Christ and honoring him. No matter what I do, I'm, my faith is not in politics. My faith is in God. My faith is in Christ. And that's really what I want to say to you. And that kind of just calmed things down a little bit. The, 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 the heat went away. And, and then, then he went on and said, well, you know, uh, it's been, this has been kind of hot, and I'm sorry. And he goes, he goes you, you probably, you know, tell, tell your wife to forgive me, because my wife was hearing all this a little bit. She said, tell, my wife, tell your wife to forgive me. She probably doesn't want a blankety-blank Democrat coming over here, a blankety-blank Democrat coming over to her house again to have a meal or whatever. And I, and I looked at him, and, and this is when the Holy Spirit got a hold of my heart really here. And I said, you know what, my wife doesn't want a blankety-blank whatever. My wife wants her neighbor to come over, and you're our neighbor, and that's the most important thing, and we'd love to have a meal with you, and we'd love to, to become more friendly with you, and that's Jesus. Regardless of Democrat, regardless of Republican, instead of hatred and divide, Jesus is a peacemaking, reconciling king, and he calls us to serve. He calls us even to lay down our political agendas and not be partisan and make him Lord. And that's what he calls us to do. Where do you need to repent? Like I need to repent. Jesus, make me more humble. Make me more willing to see the flaws in my own party. Make me more willing to not be partisan. Help me to be political under the kingdom of God. Do you need to ask for forgiveness for maybe the words you've said towards some of the candidates in front of others? Do you need to repent of that? Do you need to repent of a bitter spirit towards somebody in your family that has a different political persuasion and be more reconciling? Do you need to repent of not praying for our nation and, and both candidates that God will do what is right? God is calling his church to repentance. He's calling us to be political without being partisan and to make Jesus Lord and proclaim his kingdom the way we will go through this process. Would you pray with me? Would you ask God to change our hearts? Would you ask God to make the church a beautiful bride and proclaim the beautiful kingdom of Jesus during this difficult political season? Let's bow our heads as we close it together. Let's ask God to change our hearts. Let's, let's ask God to heal our land and do what is right during this political season. Let's pray. Dear King Jesus, I just thank you so much that you are Lord. You are a loving Savior. You are a risen King. And we proclaim that you are Lord of all. Jesus, we want to repent. We want to ask for forgiveness when we've held bad attitudes towards candidates. 
when we've said bad things towards those that have a different party than we do. Lord, when we've been a part of the political divide and mudsling and hatred in our land, Lord, forgive us and turn our hearts back to you. Jesus, fill us with your love and your peace, your kingdom values, your kingdom holiness and goodness, and help us to love our neighbors, help us to love our friends, help us to love our family members, and bring us back to a place of peace, of justice. May this season be more peaceful. May your church be more beautiful during this political process. And Lord, may whatever you choose the outcomes, may the church be the church. May we honor you and give you the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning. I hope you have a good week. Be praying. Be praying for the candidates. Be praying for this process. And follow Jesus. Be humble and just be political without being partisan. Have a great week. God bless you. Thanks for coming. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.